0: Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our Soquel location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services.
1: Don't you love that? Who here is redeeming rest this summer? Anybody? I hope, you, I hope you get an opportunity to get some rest, even today, right? When we have God in our lives, we can experience rest, even when we're working. And so we have a great message for you guys today, but I wanted to just get a chance to get up here and introduce the speaker because it's kind of a special moment. Um, some of you guys know that almost 100 years ago, the family of churches that, we were, that we're a part of called Foursquare was started by a woman in the 1920s. And, and so, for us, we want to be a church that um, really encourages and celebrates women in leadership. That's a unique thing about us as a church. We're, we, we're created equally in the image of God, amen? And so, there are, uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of amazing women in this church, and we're grateful for you. And uh, we've been really blessed to have Savannah Goodell join our staff. Um, yeah. And uh, she graduated from Life Pacific University uh, with a degree in Biblical Studies, and she's a licensed pastor. And she's, it's our first time having a full-time staff pastor that's a female, and uh, today's her first day. We wanted to let her finish school and graduate and all that stuff, but like, we want you to teach. And so, can we give a warm, hope, welcome to Savannah as she comes up? <laughs> pastor Savannah! you. <laughs>
2: Can you guys hear me? I have like the Britney Spears mic going on, okay. Hi, guys. Thank you for making me feel all warm and fuzzy. I'm just gonna open up my notes. Um, Hi, guys, how's it going? I wanna acknowledge um, not just this family, but our Hope family outside, as well as our online community. Um, I'm so excited to be sharing with you today. Um, I'm also nervous, so just bear with me because it's a lot easier for me to be singing than talking, Um, but I really feel that the Lord has put something on my heart today that um, it's been something that I've been walking through in my own life and feels very real and raw in my own journey, and I'm excited to share it with you. Um, So before I do, I just want to thank and probably would probably would hate this but i just want to thank pastor danny and for our team for opening up this space for me to be able to share what's on my heart these are leaders that are very empowering to every human they meet since they met me Um, they saw things in me that i didn't even see in myself and have empowered me um, to share the word of god with boldness and confidence as we all are called to and so i just want to say thank you guys for making a seat at the table for every person and saving me a seat i feel really grateful and excited to be a part of this family. This has been the best family of, I've ever been a part of. Um, don't tell my parents that, but I feel so grateful. This, this, I've never been a part of a, a church family that has felt so, um, so homey and so true to who I am, and I feel the things that God has put on my heart. So I'm super privileged and honored to be here. So I'm just going to pray, and then we're going to read our Bibles because it's the best thing that we can do all day. <laughs> Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you for the access that we have to you, that you have offered us the space to enter into not only your presence, Lord, but this rest and this shalom that we've been talking about. That, Lord, that you know every single name in this room, you know every single face and a story that you are writing things in our lives so divinely and perfectly, God. And I pray that we would have the courage to look up today and see you. I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would say and do whatever you want through me that I would not get in the way of what you want to do here. And I just thank you, Jesus, for who you are, for the ways that you've provided for so many of us. You've gone before us, and ultimately, God, for your sacrifice on the cross so that we can live in this freedom that you offer to us. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if you guys are new here, or if you've been around, you know that we are in a series called Redeeming Rest. And last week, Pastor Danny gave a really powerful powerful word on rhythms of rest, or as the message paraphrase likes to call it, rhythms of grace. And this is language that I really cling to, I really like, and it's um, in our key verse for the series, Matthew 11, 28, 30, and I'm gonna read that for us. It's our, um, yeah, this is out of the message paraphrase. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? I think a lot of us could raise our hands. <laughs> Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Continuing in this series and from this passage of rest that God offers us, I just want to start out by sharing a little bit of a story with you so you can kind of get to know who I am. Um, But first, I would love to propose the question, how many of you have ever felt like when something really unfortunate happens in your life, it just continues to get worse? I I don't know if that's just you, but when it rains, it pours. It's a thing that I think we could all... Um, agree with or we all are witnesses to, we've experienced in our lives. And I have a theory, and I might stand, I might stand incorrect to other people in this room. There's people that are older than me, that are wiser than me, and I'm fully aware of that. But I have a theory that your 20s are the epitome of this, of when it rains, it pours. <laughs> at least in my experience, this is really, really true, um, specifically with my car. And if you know me well at all, you know that my car is named Haggard the Honda. It's a 2000 uh, Honda Civic. And I would show you a picture of her on the screen, but she's really gross and disgusting and dirty. And the sand buildup in my car is just a problem at this point. But um, I've had my car forever. I bought her when I was like, I think I was like 17 with the money that I made at Jamba Juice. And this was like my baby. I was so excited about this car. It's taken me through college and living in LA and San Diego. And I just, it, this car has been everywhere with me. It's my pride and joy. It's my baby, OK? but. My car is on her way out of this world. She's on her way to heaven, really on its last leg. And I love this car so much, obviously, but it has its quirks. Um, It has been stolen twice. Um, I have had strange people try to get into my car with me while I was in my car parked. Um, There are multiple stories that could go on about Haggard the Honda, war stories that, um, yeah, we could get coffee and I could tell you all the things that have happened to me with my car. But one recently was about three weeks ago, I think, and it was um, that really, really hot day in Santa Cruz. It was like the first of the heat wave that we kind of just experienced, and it was like 88 degrees. I didn't know what to do with myself. I thought moving here would be like 70 all year round. I was like, what is this? But my car was definitely not prepared, and so my car broke down in Capitola. And it was one of those days, one of those weeks that just felt heavy. I was so overwhelmed with what was going on in my personal life and Um, I was in the middle of kind of like a temporary living situation. I was just feeling really flustered. And I had, I remember this day specifically, just a list of things that I needed to get done. And then my car broke down. And my sweet friend Savannah, she's not here right now, but she also goes, goes to Hope. She's the tall Sav and I'm the short Sav. But she's my good friend. And she was an angel and she drove me all around Santa Cruz. And we called AAA and my car got towed to the mechanic and all was well and right in the world. And it was fine. But... The thing about when your car breaks down is that your day comes to a complete halt. I just spit, so sorry for front row. Um, Your day comes to a complete halt. (laughs) Whatever you thought you were gonna do that day, whatever was on your list of things in front of you, um, instantly just pauses and takes the back seat and you're forced to stop. And there are interruptions in our lives, like car problems, or your car breaking down, or your house flooding that just happened to Justin. Um, Whatever it may be, it requires your attention, your time, and more than anything, your presence. And oftentimes, I've found that it takes um, problems to come up in your life to really make you stop and to slow us down. And I remember feeling so stressed out that I had to slow down and I had to stop that day. It was like, my will was meeting God's will. My list of things to do is meeting God's list of things to do. And it was just really clear that my only option was to stop. But there's this issue that I believe no one is immune to. If, that is if you're a living, breathing human on this planet Earth, let alone in California or America. And you're bombarded with this thing that I like to call the hustle. And I would define this as, I think it's gonna be up there, um, an overwhelming rush and need to both perform and earn your way through life. And we are praised for productivity, our productivity, our speed and our performance from the moment that we take our first steps into this world as little tiny humans. If you think about it, were you ever praised for stopping and smelling the roses and watching the clouds go by as a little kid the same way that you were for, winning the race at recess or learning how to ride your bike. No, it's not something that um, we really think has a lot of value or we see purpose in since the moment that we were brought into this world, but we are praised for the things that make us um, productive or hurried. And you see this all the time. Our culture subscribes to this perspective. People say no days off and they hit the gym every single day and I am not against anyone that hits the gym every day. I respect the grind, I really do. But you know if you do hit the gym every single day that there is science and there is um, purpose in having a rest day. Our bodies and our physical anatomy speak to us and tell us that we need one day at least to recover so that we could grow and continue to be strong and work out and be buff and all the things that we want. But it's just important, our bodies speak to us in the same way that our bodies do, so does our spirit and our mind. This is a problem in our present day, and we don't see value enough in slowing down to brag about it the same way that we do about being workaholics and not vacationing and all the things that we think make us a better person. Even as believers, i found, oh hello, sorry. i found that we are convinced that if our doing is good and if people are being saved, our influence will grow. And we look at the life of Jesus, and he had such a different perspective He had such a different way of journeying through life. He had space in his life for interruptions. I would deem him the king of interruptions. And I can't imagine how this tested the patience of the disciples, just all the time, them walking on their way to do something, and Jesus being like, I have to go heal this guy's leg real quick, and I have to grow out his... Body, part, whatever. Like, I just imagine that for the disciples, it was probably so irritating. Oh my gosh, Jesus is stopping again. And we all have those friends, right? There's people in our lives that we go with them out um, wherever. Sometimes, I mean, Pastor Danny's a great example of that. He knows everybody. If you hang out with him, he's going to run into three people and he's going to talk to them. And it's rad because you're meeting all these new people when you're with friends like that. But for the disciples, I could imagine it was a little bit more intense and it probably was a little bit irritating, but that's a side note. Um, Not really. Not really necessary. But Jesus' life and impact was greater than ours will ever be, still. Without it, we would not be sitting in this church today. A lot of us would probably not be alive. And we wouldn't have access to relationship with him. And when we look at the life of Jesus, the pace of his life was not fast. There's a lot of Christian cliches out there that make me feel all types of weird that I do not like. I, don't, I do not say, but there's one that I heard growing up that I always felt like I really resonated with, and it was our walk with Jesus or our walk with God. Because I do feel that it is a walk and it's not a run. Jesus invites us to this other way and this other option that is living counterculture to everything that we see around us in every way. And it invites us into this wholeness and peace and rest that we talked about in Matthew 11, our key verse, that can only come through him. But not only does he teach us, he invites us to give up our doing, to share yoke with him. And there's an example of this in scripture that I want to share with you. Don't worry, I'm going to read the Bible because it's the best thing, like I said, that we could do all day. Um, And it's one of my favorite stories. And all through this week as I've been preparing, I was just in tears seeing the heart of God woven through the pages of the story. So if you have your Bibles, um, I would love it if you could open up to Matthew 9. And if you don't, that's okay, I will not condemn you, God will not condemn you, it will be on the screen. Okay. (laughs) So this is a story that is entitled A Girl Restored to Life and a Woman Healed. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him saying, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years, came up behind them and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned, seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. And when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went throughout all the district. As we see in this story, Jesus was on his way. He was on mission, on his way to go heal this woman. He was in a crowd of people. Everywhere that he went, he was surrounded by other people. And this woman who had been going through an illness for 12 years, a discharge of blood, and I'm going to get into that in a little bit of what that meant for her and her condition as well as like cultural context of what that looks like for her living as a human being in that time with that illness. But she was walking, and she saw Jesus, and she told herself, if I just touch his garment, if I just get close enough to him to breathe next to him, I will be well. And her faith is what deemed her well. She went out of her way in the crowd to touch him, and in some translations, it says that Jesus felt the power go out of him, and he turned and noticed this woman. And we don't know a lot about her. Scripture doesn't tell us her name. Scripture doesn't tell us a lot of specifics, but we do know about her condition. In Leviticus, it talks about how there are certain bodily discharges that at this time in this society um, would deem a person unclean. And when we are unclean um, in the time of Jesus, that meant that not only are you are you told by the law that you're separated from God, but you're separated from community. There's no one that can touch you. There's no one that can be next to you. You are an absolute outcast and you're marginalized. And this woman was completely marginalized from God and from people. This passage is jam-packed with the heart of God in both the life of Jesus and this woman and their interaction together. And I could go on talking about how Different things about how Jesus stopped in the crowd of people and noticed her and just his way of being present with us or how she was suffering for 12 years, but all along God's plan was still that she would experience wholeness. But I can't help thinking, just as also a woman and a person, how this woman um, planned and thought thought about her own life, what her plans were for her own life. This brings me to my first point, our plans rarely go the way that we think that they will, but God has one that is greater. It's easier said than done to hear that statement, right? Like, of course, God's plan, hashtag God's plan. Like, we know that God is good. But I think this woman had dreams. She had plans for her life that were completely paused and stopped and halted by her illness and this thing that was separating her from God. I'm sure she was outcast from society, so this meant that she wasn't able to have a relationship. I don't know, we don't know if she had dreams of being a mother, if she had dreams of having a relationship, of starting a business. I don't know what this girl's thing was. But all of it was put on pause. And we can see from the outside reading in that God was writing a greater story. That it wasn't just that she would be physically healed because scripture tells us that she was healed, she was made well. Her condition was no longer. But also that she was going to have an encounter with Jesus the king of kings, God himself. And it would change her forever. How can we trust that God's plans for us are actually good? This is a good question. Romans 8.28 puts it very plainly. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. What would happen if we offered our plans to God, trusting that his are better anyways? This woman didn't see all the things that we see But don't you think that every day she was grieving, she was wanting more for her life. And we can see the story and be like, oh my gosh, she's about to go encounter Jesus. It's going to change her life. She's going to be so, like, her life will be forever changed. This is going to be an amazing story that we used to read in our Bibles and preach on. That wasn't real for her. Her every day was waking up experiencing this illness and experiencing the realities of being marginalized and outcast. But God's plan His purpose was so much greater than what she knew every single day waking up. He wants wholeness for us, you guys. He wants complete restoration for us and it does not look the way that we always think that it will. A life of hurry is incompatible with a life that looks like Jesus. Jesus' pause to acknowledge this woman who is in need of healing saved her life and completely restored her. That's something that we clearly see but we can learn a lot from Jesus in this passage. If we are encouraged to be like Jesus, and to walk like him, don't you think that also means we have to pay attention to other people, and to notice other people? If Jesus, the king of kings, the guy who died on the cross for all of our sins so that we could experience this freedom, lives inside of us, don't you think that we have the opportunity when we're in contact with other people that are broken, that are around us, our friends, our family, our community, those that are houseless, those that are marginalized from our society, don't you think that we have the opportunity to not just extend physical healing to them through God, but an encounter with Jesus that will change them forever? That's something that I think about in my life all the time. How often do I not look up? (laughs) How often often am I on my phone? How often am I just in my day-to-day just doing the things that I'm called to do? But what if I submitted myself and my plans and my life to the voice of the Holy Spirit so that when I'm walking through life, walking, not running, I could look up and see who's in need of Jesus and I would be willing and able and ready right then and there to bring them to an encounter with him. And it has nothing to do with how outgoing you are, how introverted you are, how good with people you are, Jesus is the same. <laughs> and he's so much bigger than our personalities or what we could give to people. He's so much, the Holy Spirit is so powerful, you guys. He's in all of us and wants to just have people that are willing and ready to say yes to him so that we could just look up and see people around us that are in need of absolute, there's people that are probably in your life that are feeling suicidal, that are feeling depressed, that have illnesses that I haven't talked about, maybe mental illnesses. There's things that need to be touched by God in all of us because we're broken humans. I have more than I could count on my hands, the things I am messed up in. (laughs) But what's so amazing is that God chooses and asks us to partner with him. He doesn't want us to go on our own and go rogue and just go and change the world. He, He invites us into this holy space where we get to look up and see people the way that he does, the way that he saw this woman And to not only provide the things that she needs physically, but to encounter her and make her feel loved and brought back into communion and community. She was brought back into community that day. But we have to be willing to look up and pay attention. A life of hurry also convinces us that we have to earn or strive when all we need to do is come to Jesus. If you look at this woman's life, um, I could imagine, and these are things that we don't know for sure, but I can imagine she had done everything that she could, right? She probably wasn't just like laying around letting herself be ill. (laughs) She was probably going to the best doctors, doing all the essential oil treatments she could do, everything that she could think about. No hate on essential oils, they smell really good. I like them for when I have a cold, I'm just saying. But she probably did everything that she could do, and it wasn't enough. But a single encounter with Jesus brought her healing to completeness. And I just keep thinking about the ways in my life, when reading this story all week, I was just like an ugly crier, all a mess all week because I was thinking about the ways that I've tried to play God in my own life and the ways that I've tried to be my own healer and the ways that I've tried to be my own Jesus. And it's never worked, you guys. (laughs) This woman was at her end. Not only was she dealing with this for 12 years, but she had hit a point where she knew there's nothing else that will cure this, only the hand of God, only a touch from heaven. And that's the exact thing that healed her. But a lot of us have convinced ourselves in our journey, with whatever is hurting us or whatever we need a touch from heaven of, whatever that is, we've convinced ourselves that we need to give up on God with that area of our life because he's given up on us, but he hasn't. A lot of us are like going rogue, you guys, and just thinking that he's not present, he's not healing me. This woman had been waiting for 12 years. That's a lot of years. And God was still so good and so faithful to her. Sorry, I'm emotional. I just keep thinking about how often we play God and we assume that he's left us, and he's abandoned the things that we're praying for, the dreams in our hearts, the things that have been spoken over our lives, the things that we want for ourselves, and God has not abandoned you. He loves you. And um, I was also thinking about a part of my life, a time in my life when this was very, very real for me. Um, In high school, I was a cross country runner, I was gonna say cross country player, that's not it, I was a cross country runner and I still love to run. If you ever wanna go on a run, hit me up. But um, I loved running and I loved sports and I've always played sports growing up. Um, But I remember my junior year, um, I had been kind of fed up by the voices of other people. Um, I was a little bit over it, a little bit over people having a say about how I looked um, or that I wasn't enough or that I was not skinny enough, not strong enough, not pretty enough, not smart enough, the list could go on because right to other people will never be enough, but we are enough to God, so ultimately, who freaking cares? But anyways, I just remember being at a breaking point. I was like, I'm over this, like, I wanna be good. I want to be seen as good and strong and beautiful in the eyes of people around me. And so I did what a lot of girls do, a lot of teenage girls do, and I played God in the way that I saw myself and my body, and my life. And I manipulated my body, and I developed a really severe eating disorder. And I was like 90 pounds and like running six miles a day. And this is trigger warning to anyone that has experienced an eating disorder, and I don't say this to make you feel any type of way, but that I was at a really, I was at a breaking point, you guys. Um, and the thing that was so frustrating about all of this, yes, my body was going through a lot of like physical turmoil, but, Um, I was convinced of this narrative that if I continued to do this, I would be loved and accepted, not just by the community around me, but by God. And I would be able to be used more. And my life would just look more beautiful, and I would look more beautiful, and it would just be better that way. But this had um, brought me into a really deep depression and a perspective of who God is that was so wrong. And I felt that I needed to hustle and hurry, and earn, and prove my way to him. When he extended something completely different, he was extending me love, grace, this holy shalom and rest, in our, not just in ourselves, but in God, that we don't have to be or perform for anyone. He was extending this to me, but I wasn't able to see it, and so for a few years, I, de- I dealt with this really gross thing in my life, and it touched every area of my life, it affected everything. How many of you guys know that if you have an addiction or a problem with the way that you um, see your life, it seeps into every corner? And this is what happened for me. Everything was about me, which really sucks because then you can't see other people. But I remember my sister, she intervened and I really call this the intervention because she did. And um, she lived down south in LA, and she was going to school. And she had visited for a holiday, and we had just gone on a camping trip. And the whole trip, I didn't eat. And my sister was like, we came back home, and we were taking our makeup off, and it was like midnight, and we were in the bathroom, and she was like, Savannah, I just like, I'm really concerned about you. I'm really concerned about your relationship with food because I feel like your relationship with food really like reflects your relationship with yourself. And I was like, Tori, don't talk to me. I'm a star athlete. Like, I know what I'm doing. Like. And I was so, like, prideful. I had this, like, wall that I had built up that would protect me from, because I wanted to be protected from any negative words that were said about the way that I looked, that I had built this wall by manipulating my body and changing the way that I looked. And my sister asked me this question, and it's something that sticks with me to this day, that I would love to propose to you. She asked me, she said, do you want what God wants for your life, or do you want what you want? Because those are two different things. And I quickly recognized in that moment that my hustle (laughs) and my earning and proving was getting me nowhere, but it was furthering my 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 communion with God. It was making me untouchable from him. And I just realized when she said that, I dropped to my knees and I remember it felt like there was like a physical experience that I had with the Holy Spirit where he felt very real and tangible to me in that moment. I was like, Tori, I don't care if I gain 3,000 pounds. I want what Jesus wants for my life. I don't care. Like, I was like, you can give me all the cheeseburgers. Like, I don't care. <laughs> I love cheeseburgers. <laughs> but I was so, like, I, was, I had hit a point where I realized, like, it's not working. What I'm doing for myself, what I'm doing for my own journey is not working, and I need the Holy Spirit, and I need God to intervene, and to, I need to just receive this rest that he offers me. And so we went on this journey together, and she was the best person ever. God really used her as a person of healing in my life. And I learned what it meant to submit not only to the Holy Spirit's way, but to the shalom that we're talking about. And um, I realized that God could use anyone that he wants. He's going to get things done. He's God. (laughs) He's amazing, and he can use any person. And in the scripture we see all the time, um, he just Jesus responds to faith, right? He responds to people that are willing to say yes. This woman was made well because of her faith, because of her saying yes and stepping forward and asking for Jesus. But I realized that time in my life that God really will use anyone, and am I willing, am I willing to put aside my ish, my stuff, so that I could be one of those people? Because he will do it anyways but we have this amazing offer to step into this place with God and partner with him and say yes and not only receive the healing of God, supernatural, amazing healing and freedom, but to extend it to other people. That verse I'm going to read one more time, Matthew 11:28 28 through 30. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep, comp- keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. How many of you guys want to live freely and lightly? Hello? got freedom on my arm because I was like, Lord, let it be in my life. I want to be free and light and I want to say yes to you.
0: We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways to, you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.